Hello everyone, I'm Jim with Aliens Definitely. And I'm Pat with Bigfoot Probably. We haven't really figured out a format for the show, but we both possess approximate knowledge on many things. And no definitive knowledge about anything. So join us as we explore topics that are of interest to us, and hopefully you as well. And as always, all guests, no breaks. And we're back. As always, this is Jim with Aliens Definitely. I'm joined by my co-host. Pat with Bigfoot Probably. <laughs> massive uh, massive background noise going on right there. <laughs> yeah, um, as, as you know, but uh, to lift the curtain a little bit, uh, my usual recording situation is not available right now. So I am recording in the living room with several members of the household still up and about. All right. Well, I think our audience members can forgive us for that as, uh, you know, hey, we're uh, pushing out a recording. No more hiatus. No more hiatuses. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, don't quote us on that, but I I would like them to quote us on that. You know, hold us accountable for our actions. No, because then they yell at me because I'm the one who runs the social media. (laughs) Hey, I'm the one that does the editing. All right. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's an even split, except I get the complaints and you get no credit or recognition it's uh honestly it's just like being in the military all over again (laughs) (laughs) you only hear about it when you do something wrong right exactly Ah, so what are we talking about today bud uh today we're taking a departure from um what we've been doing and we're going to discuss at length and hopefully intelligently um the I guess uh, the whether or not Julius Caesar was a tyrant slash I don't want to say dictator because like he was a dictator because he held that office. But like yes. if Julius Caesar was a dictator. Right. But like if he was in like, I don't know, uh, the Camry Rouge or communist uh, Russia, would he be viewed as a dictator? Like by the modern definitions of what a dictator is. OK, that's, yeah, that, that, that's a little more depth to this because um, as I have been in the past couple days i've just been going off on roman history in the group chat um so i'm actually really looking forward to this one all right excellent um would you like to set the stage then uh yeah i'll I'll, um exposit what i know about um everyone's favorite uh dictator perpetuo um (laughs) so gaius julius caesar was born to the julian family in i think uh, just about the year 100 um, and the Julian family, which could trace its lineage back to Aeneas from the Trojan War and therefore to Jupiter themselves. They were part of the aristocracy, so they were not plebes, uh, but the Julian family had fallen on hard times. Uh, Julius Caesar's father was away on business the majority of his life, and he died when uh, young Gaius was like 10 or 13, something like that. So he takes over his head of the household. And he just decides enough is enough. And he is going to uh, reach political, military, and financial heights uh, heretofore unknown to a single man since the times of like, I mean, Rome is antiquity, but like the antiquity of antiquity. So from like Cincinnati or, uh, you know, Scipio Africanus, those guys. Really, even more so than uh, Sola? Well, Sola is uh hasn't happened yet actually at the at the time of uh 
Julius Caesar becoming the uh, paterfamiliaris of his family. Ah, well, I must. Uh... Oh, he becomes. It's uh... like I'll I'll edit this part out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could have sworn that Sulla and the uh... Marius and Sulla happened directly before Julius Caesar's. Uh really the major events of his life i know he was alive during uh the sola list yeah i think um are you talking about julius caesar insofar as him coming around like on this uh, both because the the marian uh sullen civil war um that was about when julius was about 20 years old so technically we're both correct um, okay gotcha so you were ref- i'm gonna leave it in then you know, right, one yeah, last thing so, to edit. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless I have many more edit notes to make in the future, in which case I will painstakingly take the time to go through and edit it. He but, does okay. this for you guys. Yes, yes. <laughs> and just uh, just for a little bit of clarification, 100 BC is when he was born. Mm-hmm. But he did not know it at the time. <laughs> no one did. It was just another day. <laughs> Fucking God, just throwing out haymakers some days. <laughs> yeah. So from these uh, from these humble beginnings, he begins his uh, his rise up the the curse's honorum, taking kind of a uh, a circumvented path. He doesn't really do too much. He he marries Cinna, who is Marius's um, chief lieutenant. He married his daughter, and the the Marian Solon civil war ends with um, you know Sola victorious because Marius had died through marriage. Uh, Marius was Caesar's like great uncle or something. Um, but there are these things in Roman history called prescription lists, which is basically you rat on somebody and then the state seizes their assets and kills them. Mm. So um, Julius Caesar found his name on one of these prescription lists. And uh, when his aunt Julia went and begged for his life, they agreed to spare him on the condition that he divorces Cinna's daughter to which he basically looked soul in the eye and said get fucked i'm not doing that um and then his <laughs> a real family man <laughs> a real family man uh depends on who you ask though um so long story longer he uh after sola abdicates his power caesar returns to rome and at some point uh he begins his his public life um and he becomes the uh uh, Jesus, give me a second. Uh, it's the, actually the only Roman office that's still in use today is the Pontifex Maximus. Um, what is it used uh, as today? I had not heard this fact before, so you didn't like yes, me. Yes, uh, the, the Pontifex Maximus has been continuously used since I just about the founding of Rome. And the current Pontifex Maximus is whoever the current pope is. I think Benedictus. Huh. Well, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, it's a uh, the the. I think it's. I'm just making this up. I'm I'm assuming a lot here, but I think it is most likely the oldest continuously held office in the world. That is wild. Oh, Latin for great priest. Yep. Hmm. So at the time, the Pontifex Maximus was usually uh, an older statesman at the end of their career, and they would get like a good amount of money, like a you know comparatively to the, <laughs> wait, wait, the so, plebeians <laughs> sorry i just have to uh i just have to talk about the uh real quick I, I googled it you know this isn't obviously research coming in uh that i came in with 
as you know elaborated by the fact that i had no fucking idea this is still going on but uh the catholic use of the title and just how far this has fallen um it's now used primarily by pope francis as his twitter handle (laughs) (laughs) you can tell i'm not catholic because i didn't know this fucking thing existed (laughs) i wonder i wonder though because like that's that's an actual office in the real world. Like your your Twitter handle can't be POTUS because uh, yeah. it's taken. Um, so I wonder if uh, when he dies, if if the uh, the username and password has to be written down, so whoever the next pope is can then uh, take that Twitter handle. I mean, you know, I think you just gotta you gotta sleep in the bed of the previous pope. You gotta wear his shoes. I. Once again, I'm not Catholic. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue yeah. on. So, um, so yeah, the, the Office of Pontifex Maximus is basically like a, a pension plan for elder statesmen. So uh, Julius Caesar runs for it. Uh, he gets it because he bribes the right people. And that allows him to move his family, his like his mom, his aunt. I think, I don't, know, I don't know what Julia was doing at this point. Um, so basically he moves his family out of the slums into a nicer neighborhood. And now he has like a stable income. So that's mm. what really, so in typical Julius Caesar fashion, he circumvented the typical, you know, workings and trappings of power by just being like, no one said I couldn't do that. So I did it. <laughs> hey, there is nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't become emperor of Rome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that comes later. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, he does that. And then he uh, he kind of begins his public life a little more. He becomes a dial, which is basically in charge of, uh, you know, festivities and other stuff like that. So arranging gladiatorial games. And the entire time he's doing this, he's just borrowing money hand over fist. You guys know all of this if you listen to the Julius Caesar episodes. Um, which we highly recommend you do. They're some of our best early work. Yeah, I know. It's a... Uh, I was completely hammered that second episode. I'm surprised. I was out, like, <laughs> I was gone. Like, I woke up the next day and I was like, "Oh shit, we recorded an episode yesterday." I, uh, I think that's when the state of New York said you could legally be drunk again, right? Yeah, that was uh, that was about four months into being able to drink again, oh, and nice. I had I had been drinking literally all day. It was a good it was a good time. Um, so applying modern filters to the actions of Julius Caesar, which we can reiterate because if without reiterating, we're not going to have much context. Um, it's actually something I do have a, a pretty big problem with as an, uh, you know, pretend amateur historian specializing in antiquity uh, right. is, is trying to apply a modern ethical filter to any historical figure. It's never going to be good. Right. Like, <laughs> If you took uh, anything that, I don't know, let's say some of the Viking kings did, which is uh, shockingly recent, like in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, they'd be viewed as probably worse than, you know, I don't know, Pol Pot. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, the blood eagle in which they would take your lungs out of your body. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, just... crucifixion alone in ancient Rome, that's like one of the most brutal ways to die. Yeah, that is horrific um and crassus and pompey crucified two thousand slaves at the end of the um i think it was a the third servile war um 
Is that the one with Spartacus, or is that the second one I'm thinking of? Uh, the the that's the one with Spartacus. Okay, the second one. Uh, the third one, whichever one Pompey and Crassus were involved with. I'm pretty sure oh. it's the third one. Cool, cool. You know, rarefied air. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, if if you look at Julius Caesar in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. you can absolutely make the argument, and it would be a compelling argument. And it's a good argument that he was a dictator. Mm-hmm. Um, but on on the other end of it, like trying to you know, I've been thinking about this question a lot. Um, I don't so much think he was a dictator as he was the summation and the peak of everything a, a Roman man of his time could ever hope to be. Right, well accomplished in war, well accomplished in politic, uh, possessing. Like you said, uh, well, I don't know if he said this on the podcast just now, um, but possessing more wealth than Crassus, better uh, military ship than Pompey, you know. And, and better politic than Cicero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't argue who wasn't skilled in that. Um, what you had uh, when we were discussing the like framework of this episode, um, you had made a point that Julius Caesar was an autocrat for the populace. And I thought that that was a rather insightful point. Um, so I'd like to kind of diverge a little bit and talk just a bit about Julius Caesar and his relationship with, you know, what one might be called the plebs. Absolutely. Okay. So it's going to be a little bit important to touch on the Gracchi brothers and not to go too, too far into it. But the Gracchi brothers were basically the first people to really make a whole big deal of uh, agrarian reform. Yeah, agrarian reform. So a lot of people think of Rome and they think of uh, people, you know, like the Roman armies would go and conquer somewhere. And then the Roman soldiers as compensation for their time would be given land, right? That, that's traditionally how people think that that works. That that actual system didn't last for terribly long. It was a little bit in place during uh, just before Caesar's time, um, but not like into full swing. And it lasted a little bit longer after him. Um, but how it would usually go uh, before the Gracchi brothers is a call for, uh, you know, basically people got drafted. And they would usually be drafted from landowning families because that's part of the requirements for getting drafted is you had to come from a landowning family. And that would basically take all of the skilled farm labor away from a farm. Now, what does that mean? That means that essentially during the entire time, you know, your eldest son is away at war or, you know, hopefully, you know, he doesn't like die. Um, Your fields would essentially like be unprofitable. And then you would be unable to plow them and then they would become fallow and, you know, thus not able to be worked easily. And sometimes these soldiers would come back to find their entire lands completely fallow and just unworkable. So some of the richest aristocracy would come in, buy up the lands, send in their slaves, which, you know, happened to come from recent Roman conquests, work the fields and become even more fabulously wealthy than before. And this basically exacerbated itself as Rome kept expanding and expanding the amount of available, like arable land for the average 
average-ish citizen to own was basically non-existent. So people began to talk about a system of land redistribution. The Gracchi brothers were the first ones to try this. Um, well, the first ones that we know about to try this and promptly ended with their assassination or were they executed? I can't remember. Um, kind of both. The elder Gracchi, because um, it was two brothers separated mm-hmm. by like 10 years uh, and their careers were essentially the same thing. Like they, they both were uh, from obviously the same family and they both served military and then got elected a uh, tribune of the plebs and the tribune of the plebs has the same veto power as um, whoever the consul of that year is. So it is mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of power. Um, so the, the, the elder Gracchi, I forget his name, but he, he served one term as tribune of the plebs and he was agitating for agrarian reform, like a motherfucker, like actual mobs mm-hmm. of his followers showing up at, uh, speeches and votes and stuff like that, and just causing a ruckus. Um, so he was seeking, uh, cause in Rome, you can only hold an office once per decade like 10 years had to pass between you holding the same office again that didn't mean you couldn't hold a public office you just couldn't hold the same office twice um Mm -hmm. so he actually uh agitated for and was in the process of trying to secure an illegal second term what a huge brawl broke out and he was killed uh the younger Gracchi, same thing agitating for land reform, a uh, huge mob of followers uh, going and disrupting events and fucking people up on his behalf. He gets a second term, but then he is killed in a huge brawl seeking a third term. All right, great. Yes. And <laughs> it's important to note about the plebs. Um, the plebs are essentially what you might call uh, the common people. Like, Pat, I don't think I'm off base by saying you and me would be pretty plebeian today uh, <laughs> if you were to take us Absolutely. and drop us back. <laughs> uh, especially since um, being an uh, equestrian or uh, senatorial class depended on the amount of money you made. Yeah, and I can't even ride a horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's a... The majority of Rome was all plebeian and it caused a lot of rifts like early in, in the, the, the kingdom and the Republic of Rome. A, yes. A uh, patrician and a plebeian cannot wed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. We see uh, similar echoes of that really throughout history up until I think Prince Harry might have, well, no, I guess uh, I forget that one English king. Anyway, <laughs> Yeah, they're not uh, important. Yeah, not terribly important. <laughs> he's the one that abdicated, so he's absolutely not important because he made himself unimportant. Anywho, um, so part of when Julius Caesar was coming to power, um, basically he was also promising to begin like doing land redistribution, uh, I think more bread, things like that. Things you might look at as a little bit more populist. Like... A lot of Roman politics was, you know, nobles running nobles and the plebs were just kind of tread underfoot. And I think it's here. It's very important to distinguish between communism 
and uh, just good old fashioned populist, uh, a populist agenda. Um, communism, of course, being like the complete like seizing of lands for the purpose of the state and populism, which is basically trying to create the conditions in which, you know, the plebeians can in fact succeed and provide everyone with the opportunity for, you know, having their own way in life. Yeah. So even, you know, nothing should be off limits technically uh, because of how low your birth is. You should have the same access to uh, tools, education, shit like that in public office uh, when you're looking at Rome as anyone who was born into a wealthy family. Yeah. Quality of outcome. Uh, or sorry, equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. Well put. Yeah. Oh, I've heard it before. <laughs> Regardless, well reiterated. Yes, yes. Um, so kind of progressing a little bit because our back uh, our background took about 20 minutes. <laughs> so into the heart of the matter. Um, Pat, it always seems like there's not a whole or like there's a tremendous amount of time that Caesar was basically dictator. Um, but for our audience, I just want to state that he only really assumed dictatorial power in 49 BC and he was assassinated in 44 BC, which means there's only about a good five years that he was in uh, complete executive control. Yes. But a caveat to that is, um, is his previous work with the, uh, the first triumvirate which was okay. formed in 60 BC. Okay. Would you like to talk about the triumvirate? Uh, triumvirate was basically um, Crassus, Pompey, uh, basically the money and the uh, power base. military, yeah, power base of Rome, combined um, with Caesar and politic. Yeah. So Caesar would push through any legislation that needed to be pushed through to legitimize the other two. Basically, it was you always had one of the other two or you know really the, the two other most powerful men in rome backing you for whatever you wanted to do right um, i think there was a legal precedent for it like it had some kind of weird basis in legality um but that ran for seven years from 60 bc to 53 bc when it dissolved formally um so in that time uh the the three guys would basically discuss a plan they would agree to it and then they would all go on their separate ways to to go get whatever they wanted to get um, right and really that that leads into the gallic wars which is basically a giant pr stunt for caesar um, it's the best pr stunt though <laughs> i actually actually learned recently that chesty puller was walking around guadalcanal with a copy of the gallic wars on him <laughs> and i was like that is the most baller shit i've ever heard in my life I mean, if you had to pick one book, uh, yeah, I might pick something a little bit more uh, modernly written, but, you know, I don't <laughs> speak Latin. As a state. Um, so basically that, that leads into, you know, the, the Gallic Wars, Crassus's disaster in the Parthian Desert, and um, Pompey eventually siding with the uh, Republic against Caesar. Right, and at that point in time... Caesar had consulship at that time, right? Like he was the consul of Rome. He was, and then uh, in order to wait of... out his, uh, his the ten years he had to between um, consulships, because he was going to be brought up on bribery charges, 
in which the almost the entirety of the Senate body was going to vote to press charges against him. Um, that's when he went off to assume proconsulorship of Gaul, because if you were in that office, then you were sacrosanct, uh, meaning you couldn't be tried. So mm-hmm. basically, he was assuming an office, waiting to assume uh, the most powerful office, so he could make the charges of bribery go away. Correct. And I think we can finally get to the point where he crosses the Rubicon. <laughs> he literally crosses the Rubicon. Yes. Okay. So uh, you've probably heard it before, if you're even if you're not a his, uh, fan of history of Rome. Um, the phrase crossing the Rubicon, it's basically getting to the point of no return. Um, in Caesar's case, it was literally crossing the uh, Rubicon. <laughs> yeah, which was a small river that served as the northernmost border to the Italian peninsula. Correct. The custom was that um, unless Rome itself was under attack, no one could return to the Italian peninsula with an army. Mm-hmm. So Caesar declared war against Rome itself or the Senate in particular. Well, because he he had to cross the uh, Rubicon in order to be reelected. Like he had to physically be in Rome, but he couldn't leave his army or else he was subject to uh, prosecution. So yeah. he was basically in a catch-22 situation. Yeah. And so he just said, fuck it, and crossed the Rubicon with his army and uh, declared war on Rome. Yeah. Which is um, not even like a veiled power grab. as a naked power grab. Yes. Incredibly uh, dictatorial in nature. Correct. And I think we can get to the uh, first uh, point against him in the dictator or not category. Um engaging in an armed power struggle against the uh legally ruling you know government <laughs> yeah the, the rightfully appointed i'm not gonna say elected but the rightfully appointed uh state government um mm-hmm. it, it was it was a coup it was a military coup yes so throughout the time from uh 45 bc uh he would basically draft uh draft legislation uh, but he also still had to keep some of the trappings of the office. So he had a, col- uh, a co-council because in Rome, there was basically two councils at all times. Um, it's basically like having two presidents, essentially, yeah. which is uh, one a, could veto the other one. Yeah, they were the, they were the only people who, with absolute veto. And veto mean, translates literally to I forbid. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of keep that going, he would basically have a little bit of a show of it. Um, in 48 BC, he was given permanent, uh, tribunical powers, uh, which made his person sacrosanct, allowing him to veto the Senate and allowed him to dominate the plebeian council. Since tribunes were always elected by the plebeian council, Caesar had no hope or had hope to prevent the election of tribunes who might oppose him, basically removing the last little bit of veto authority that the state legally had against him. He also, during this time, um, passed through legislation, or had the Senate pass through legislation, however you want to look at it, um, that he could wear his triumphal um, robes at all times, um, basically reminding everyone that he was a conquering hero, Mm -hmm. um, and to wear his oak wreath cluster, which is, you know, usually what you picture Caesar wearing is that... uh, that grass crown looking thing. Um, and that was a Roman military award uh, for distinguished honor. 
So every time he entered a room, everyone had to stand for him to recognize him. Yes. And officially during this time, he became or he obtained the term dick or he became the dictatorship. I know that's difficult to say. Yeah. Not a, yeah. Dictatorship being like an actual position in Rome. It was something that you could be elected for for a period of six months, which basically got rid of the other consul and you could, you know, do whatever the hell you want, whatever you needed, usually reserved strictly to uh, save Rome. Yes, it was um, in, in times of absolute crisis, it was thought that one man acting as the state could accomplish more than like bipartisan argumentation that we need to do this or we need to do that. Basically, you just have scissors that can cut all the red tape. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I guess assuming the title dictator uh, for life, definitely um, a point towards the dictator column. <laughs> yeah, not only that, uh, originally he had the Senate pass that he would be elected dictator for consecutive consulships, I think for 10 years. And then after a couple of months, he's like, you know what, fuck it. Just make me dictator for life. Right. Um, now, during this time, um, unlike what a lot of people do when they assume absolute control and absolute authority, you might think that someone would just, you know, grant themselves even more infinite, like, favors or, you know, build a sweet-ass palace or whatnot. Um, interestingly enough, at this point in time, Caesar was already, like, one of the wealthy, wealthiest people that the world has ever seen. Um like he had personal ownership of Egypt, like Egypt, Egypt. Like and the actual fucking kingdom of Egypt. Yeah. Like I've seen his wealth estimated some places in the trillions, like yep. when adjusted for inflation, um, basically the entire gross domestic product of one of the wealthiest nations on earth. Yeah. And also in his will, he bequeathed every citizen of Rome, um, mm -hmm basically like a week's pay out of his own pocket right which you know would be pretty tight to get nowadays <laughs> yeah so i think i think when we did the, the last julius caesar episode it, it, we did some half-assed math and that came out to i think like roughly two thousand dollars per person how much about two thousand dollars per person damn man that's pretty freaking legit yeah that's it, basically I mean, a stimulus check without a. Any cat, like a catch. Yeah, exactly. But he, he did have his own pocket. And then whatever was left over from his will went mm -hmm. to Augustus before he was Augustus. Mm -hmm. um, and that money was enough that he became the fucking emperor. Correct. Um, so during this time, he also took streps, uh, steps to transform Italy into a province and to more tightly link the other provinces of the emperor into a single cohesive unit sorry, empire. Um, this stressed the underlying problem that had caused the social war decades earlier where individuals outside Rome and certainly outside Italy were not considered Roman and were thus not given full citizenship rights. Uh, this process basically said, hey, if you're in Rome, you are a Roman citizen. And it is really important to kind of look at, I think, in this discussion, maybe how Caesar himself viewed the dictatorship. So, dictator as we've already covered 
uh, is awarded during periods of like insane uh, unrest. Like, hey, you need one guy to fix this. Caesar basically looked at Rome as it was, looked at all of the problems inside the empire and determined that the dictatorship was really the only way to even begin to try and fix this. Because no one inside of Rome was willing to vote the outside provinces full citizenship. The provinces were basically being constantly tapped to, uh, you know, hey, give it, give up your uh, troops. We're going to war. And then you'd have even more provinces that you have to deal with after that. Like, it, it was another side of the continual cycle of issues outside of even the agrarian reforms that we uh, had talked about earlier. So, in, in this light, uh, looking at it in, in a modern dictatorial sense, mm-hmm. absolutely Julius Caesar was a dictator. I, I you know, I think... Uh... I went into this with an open mind, but I think uh, just by going over the facts of history, <laughs> I think we can kind of come to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, I, I often take the stance that he, like, because I'm so into Roman history, because mm-hmm. I literally looked 0% of this up. Well, well, that's not true. I looked up the when the first triumvirate formed. Um, I, just I always got to keep the dates and the uh, minor characters' names up. Yeah. Just, just for, uh, yeah. I've, I've listened to history of Rome by Mike Duncan like four times. Yeah. I just, um, so I always defend Julius Caesar because, um, obviously I root for Rome and mm-hmm. if anyone is going to be dictator until the day they die, as you might as well. Shows, yeah. Um, I think there was in total like 90 something emperors from Augustus, to uh, Julius Didianus, who was, depending on who you ask, the last emperor of Rome. Um, so out of the 90 or so of them, four of them died of natural causes. Damn. So a lot of those were assassinations. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, the vast majority. That's yeah. That's got to be wild when you like become like, I don't know, the 80th like emperor of Rome. And you look back and you're just like, I have how great of a chance of being assassinated? <laughs> yeah. You have a better chance of being assassinated than you do. Of right. Fucking, or a better chance of meeting Jupiter himself than you do of not being assassinated. <laughs> like, honestly, like, you think about it, like, they all kind of like, all, like, whenever you talk about the assassination of someone, like, the vast majority of them, other than like Caesar always has a little bit of a wink and a nod going on with the Ides of March. Like, I don't know. There's enough to, uh, there's enough historical background that you could either draw the conclusion that he was completely ambushed by the Ides of March or walked into it knowingly. I've yeah. heard it both ways. Um, yeah. And I'm not exactly a paleontologist, so I'm not going to be digging around clay pots to figure out the answer. Um, So I just got to take it for what it is. But like all of them kind of seem to walk stupidly into their own assassinations. Yeah. um, It's either someone, well, in the case of Aurelian, Mm -hmm. um, it was someone trying to hide a mistake or the Praetorian guard is fed up that you didn't give them more money or you're involved in a civil war and you're killed. Or, like mm-hmm. any any like one random fucking dude, like in the case of uh, Commodus, he was strangled by his wrestling coach, <laughs> which was part of a conspiracy. 
So let's just round it up to 100. Only yeah. 4% of Roman emperors died of natural causes. That is uh, that is absolutely wild when you think about it. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> God. Could you imagine um, if there wasn't an election? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to finish that sentence nowadays because that would definitely get me a visit from the FBI. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking at that, so... As, as obviously you can you can see from the the factuals we just dropped where you know you got a really good chance of being assassinated um, mm -hmm. a lot of those were either by pissing off the senate or pissing off the, the troops and the fact that julius caesar managed to like yeah he was assassinated but he was the first person to be this brazen about it you could have so much worse as an absolute dictator than julius caesar like it is it is harder mm -hmm. to be better than julius caesar right and that's to take the position if you were not a noble uh life was pretty good under the dictatorship of caesar um everything seemed to be looking up even i would say under augustus life was looking up absolutely um well augustus rang in the, the pax romana mm -hmm. um the roman peace um but like it, it, just as, as another aside to the type of person that Julius Caesar was and where his priorities were, in the middle of his invasion of Rome, mm -hmm. he stops in Rome for a good couple of months. And he balances the finances. He <laughs> corrects the fucking <laughs> calendar, which has been neglected. Um, he's, he's paying his troops. Granted, he raided like the public treasury, but like he paid his fucking troops. Mm-hmm. If you are in the capital of the territory that you're trying to seize and you stop to administrate, you are a different <laughs> breed altogether. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 we'll take care of Poppy. But uh, first, let's look at those ledgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, 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 You forgot to carry the one. Right, right. That's why this shit's all fucked up. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> If he just had better math skills, I wouldn't have had to invade. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was like Genghis Khan? Like Genghis Khan wrecks havoc across the entirety of the uh, much of the Eastern world. It fucking shows up to the Charisman Shah's house, fucking kidnaps him, and is just like, no, you see, you need to actually tax people at 5% of, <laughs> yeah. uh, of earnings, not 5% of what they have asset-wise, <laughs> and then just leaves. <laughs> Someone breaks into your house and balances your checkbook for you. Uh, I'd be very confused as to how they got all my bank account information because I definitely don't keep a checkbook. I, I went to uh, I went to my bank and I got a checkbook once, and I was just like, "All right, this is how I'm going to do it, so that I don't forget how much money is in the uh, in in my debit account. I'm going to write down every purchase I have in this checking in this checkbook, and then I'll subtract it from what I know that I have." And I thought, okay, this is going to work great. And then I completely forgot, of course, it's not going to work because <laughs> my wife and me have a joint account. So I don't know what she's taking out. I just know what I'm doing. So, you know, one day I thought I had like, you know, a cool 1500 kicking around in the checking account. I'm like, oh, awesome. And the car gets declined. I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> Where's that goddamn burglar Pat was talking about? Right, right. <laughs> Um, but wish Caesar would raid my house someday. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, without question, he was a dictator. But was he a tyrant? I don't think he was a tyrant. 
I don't think so either. I mean, obviously, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm full blown team Caesar, mm-hmm. but I, I think there was, I don't know, maybe, maybe he just knew that there was too much bloat in the empire, and maybe mm-hmm. he was a power mad fucking dude who just wanted more, more, more because he grew up in the slums on the fringes of aristocracy. But um, you gotta figure when it, when a dude takes power in such like a grand and aggressive manner and refuses to persecute. Like he, he literally forgave every army that fought against him. He put no one to death. Um, right. He barely jailed anyone. He said, I'm not even going to ask that you don't fight against me again. Like you can go. Like if that's I, not- I will add the caveat that if he did catch you again, you're probably going to get killed. Yeah. Um, fooled me um, once. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no more. You can't get fooled again. You know, I will say one of the uh, weirder things, this does touch into something that we've previously talked about, about Rome, of most of the Roman emperors typically appointing their successor, right, via the process of adoption. Yeah. So Caesar has, um, what is it, Caesarius with Cleopatra. Uh, Caesarian. Caesarian, sorry. I've heard it both ways. Um, no, uh, <laughs> he has Caesarian with Cleopatra, so it's his biological child. He's pretty damn aware that it's his biological child. He still <laughs> adopts Augustus, um, knowing full well that in the basically autocracy he created, um, that his biological child probably had as great of a right to the throne as his adopted child. So he basically appoints Augustus, knowing that one day Augustus will either, you know, be killed by uh, Marcus Aurelius or kill his own son. Yeah, you're um, you're, you're you're playing forty chess eventually, right? Um, so there, there's a point during chess which some people throw the board, and there's a point <laughs> in chess when you become Bobby Fisher. And, <laughs> Uh, I don't think that happens to everyone. I think that only happened uh, once. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you got to figure you, the the fact that he was just so like deft with like when he would write legislation when he was like a senator and, and mm-hmm. before he became part of the triumvirate and everything, people tried to attack his, his legislation and they couldn't. It, it, was, it was fucking literally like foolproof like yeah. what, what he would write was so like locked up in legality and um right he had uh he had a legislative mind he had a mind of a lawyer he had the mind of uh clearly an accountant um yeah dude was uh dude was on next level yeah no he was like i said he he was pretty much the pinnacle of what a roman man could want to aspire to and he mm-hmm. did it with he had seizures he had epilepsy or something he had some condition that would give him seizures mm-hmm. and he and with the disability coming from the lower rungs of society well the lower rungs of nobility <laughs> yeah big big difference <laughs> i think if like spartacus became emperor of rome we'd be like look at this guy <laughs> that I mean, would be uh maximus thrax who's basically just a barbarian yeah yeah true yeah <laughs> And that dude lasted three years on the throne before he was assassinated. Hmm. Really? A Roman emperor that was assassinated? Shocking. Hard to believe. 
Hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here fo- first, folks. <laughs> Only a uh, couple thousand years afterwards. Um, well, I think that's an episode, bud. Uh, Caesar, definitely a dictator, probably not a tyrant. Uh, that, that's my takeaway from it. And um, in, in my opinion, there isn't, there can never be enough written about Julius Caesar because mm. he is just like in, in, in the long, long history of the world in the slightly shorter history of recorded history and what we know mm-hmm. to have as monumental presence as Julius Caesar does on the world stage, because up until I think like the 1300s and then maybe like the five or 600s, we were still going off the Julian calendar, which Julius Caesar made. Damn. And it wasn't until Pope Gregory like adjusted it a little bit that we started using the Gregorian calendar. What a dick. Uh, so in, in roughly 55 years of life, Julius Caesar became one of the most famous men of all time. Well, I think that's an episode, bud. On the shorter side, but it was a good discussion. I'm glad to have talked about Rome with somebody who knows about Rome. Yeah, me too. We don't do this often enough. No, we do not. <laughs> All right. Uh, shout out to Taiwan. Always. Uh, <laughs> bye. Bye.